The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Welcome back to hour number two, today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this football Friday, and not a whole lot of football to discuss, but there is still football season happening, so we're still going to call it Football Friday until there is no Football Friday anymore, and then we'll wait until the next Football Friday, which is going to be happening you know, up in August again when college football ramps back up. But today, we are talking a lot of basketball, Wildcat basketball here. It is uh, February the 4th, 2022, cold out there on your uh, Tucson Friday morning. And it is just about 8.03 right now on your Friday morning. And you're listening here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, and Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Uh, I know that I spent the entire first hour talking the Wildcat and UCLA basketball game. But look, it was that big of a game. And the, the, the crowd last night, the atmosphere was vintage McHale Center. And I mean, it was awesome. I, this is... This is my eighth season doing this. Uh, well, I guess technically my eight and a half years in, eight and a half years. So this is my ni- technically my ninth season uh, doing this, and been through a lot of big games there. Whether it was the Gonzaga matchups, the game against Michigan that was so big early, but we ended up beating them by thirty-two points, and you know that game was basically over at halftime, but the fans were going nuts in the first half. I've been with some some big games against Oregon, UCLA, when ASU was really good and they were ranked and big, you know, big crowds and raucous crowds and stuff. And there have been some, you know, incredible electric crowds at McHale Center. This was this was up there. I mean, it was a passionate fan base last night with a little bit of tension. There was, uh, you know, apprehension. I think of whether Arizona was going to win the basketball game or not, but. Arizona goes on that 12-0 run. They open up to a 17-point lead late in the first half, and McHale was just going off. It was a party last night, and I'm sure it was a party afterwards. I was invited to uh, dirt bags by several people, several fans uh, last night who wanted me to go to dirt bags with them, and I'm like, I can't. i got to drive home. i am got to be up at 4.30 in the morning to do my radio show. So that would be very, very bad of me to go to dirt bags because then I would have to find – I would probably just sleep in my car in a parking lot or something. I don't know. Uh, but regardless, not a good idea. But it was, I'm sure, a party. I saw some pictures. Somebody sent me a picture from Dirt Banks last night. Yes, I love it. I love man. I campus life, man. It's it's uh, it's it's a thing. It's great. Um, so if you're wondering where the Wildcats are this morning in the rankings, because unlike the AP, which doesn't matter to anyone, it shouldn't matter to anyone. Uh, the the NCAA net rankings get updated daily, and so do the Ken Palm rankings. So the NCAA net rankings for Arizona, they don't move up any. Houston and Gonzaga are still, or Gonzaga and Houston, I should say, one and two respectively. Um, Gonzaga still 18 and two on the season. They have a two and zero mark, uh, or I'm sorry, a three and two mark in quad one games. Houston's 0 and two in quad one games, but they've won 19 games this year and they've put together quite a uh, quite an impressive record, especially in conference. They're eight and zero in the conference. The Wildcats currently sitting number three in the net, just ahead of Auburn. Uh, the Wildcats pick up their second quad one win of the season, and right now, of course, you know when you're when you're looking at all of it, their strength of schedule is 60, 66th in the country, which is pretty darn good. We'll take it, right? Because <laughs> you know the Pac-12 this year, I think, has been uh, a 
I'll say largely disappointing in some of the teams. I'm disappointed in, uh, you know, ASU was supposed to be better this year. I think a lot of people expected Oregon State to be better. I, I know I, I – I mean, certainly better than they are. Um, not great, but certainly better than, than what we've seen out of Oregon State so far this year. They've been getting trounced. Um, but, you know, Arizona's still hanging through there. Number three net, it's, uh, it's a great place to be. And in the Ken Palm, they're currently ranked number two in the country. And uh, those are the two that matter the most. Uh, some people want to throw the Jeff Sagarin in there. I believe they're number three in the Sagarin, number three in Sagarin, too. So uh, so there you go. So the, the, the polls that matter, Arizona's number two in Ken Palm, number three in the net. That all tells you if Arizona continues their winning ways and they'll face off against number 29 USC, number 29 Ken Palm, okay? Uh, they've got number 34 Ken Palm, Washington State coming up. Oregon, who's a top 50 team, they got a win last night. They're moving up in the Ken Palm rankings as well. So Arizona has another chance. Look, if, if you're looking ahead at the schedule for more quad one victories, they'll have an opportunity on Saturday against USC. They'll have an opportunity next Thursday at Washington State. That's a Q1. They'll have an opportunity against Oregon. That'll be a Q1. And then that should be it for the for the quad ones, unless Colorado or Utah start winning some games and get moved up because those are road games, and uh, those will be those obviously get weighted differently uh, based on their net ranking. So Arizona still has an opportunity to solidify themselves even stronger into what may end up being a number one seed in the NCAA tournament, but still got quite a ways to go on that. So we will table that for the moment and we'll just continue to enjoy what is currently going on at Arizona basketball which has been really really good and be ready for the USC game on Saturday tonight at the McHale Center the women's basketball team and look we talked about I talked about what the little dust up between Mick Cronin and Tommy Lloyd last night in the game at the McHale Center you think that was interesting if you got to see it or if you were just kind of interested in the story behind it you are not going to want to miss what happens tonight at the McHale Center because it is round two of Adia Barnes versus uh, um, uh, what's his name uh, Kelly uh, 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 Kelly Graves Kelly Graves the head coach of of Oregon I couldn't remember his name um, it is round two of the saga between those two. Here's what happened in Eugene earlier this year. Now it's a whiteout tonight at the McHale Center. That game's going to tip off at 8 p.m. So you got plenty of time to go eat your dinner, get your white gear, and head down to watch the women's Wildcat basketball team, who look, there's look, 10,000 tickets have already been sold to that game. If they can get to 12,000, <laughs> it would be the biggest biggest uh, uh, attendance in the history of the McHale Center for a women's basketball game. And that's what they're hoping for. And that's what we're, you know, look, tickets are like 8 bucks. So grab the whole family, come down, and enjoy the game. It's going to be a good one. These two teams do not like one another. These two coaches certainly do not like one another, as indicative by the names that Dia Barnes was being called by head coach Kelly Graves and their visit to Eugene just a couple of weeks ago. There was an issue between Kelly Graves and one of Adia Barnes's players. Now, I don't know specifically which player, um, or at least I've been told who it was. I don't have firsthand knowledge of it, so I'm not going to. I'm not going to repeat that because I don't. I wasn't there. I didn't get a chance to see it with my own eyes. Uh, there was, regardless, there was an issue between Kelly Graves and one of Arizona's players. Kelly Graves, head coach of Oregon, went after said player. Adia Barnes took exception to it and started to have words with Kelly Graves, to which he responded, "Shut up, bleep," calling her. 
a name, a name that women do not like to be called. But some revel in it, right? Some, some are like, yes, call me that. That's exactly what I am, right? We, we, we know, guys. We've heard women say that before. And I think, I think Dia Barnes even admitted to it. Like She's like, I can be sometimes, yeah. Um, and so he continued to berate her and call her names throughout the game, apparently. And on her exit, she allegedly extended her middle finger towards the bench at Coach Graves on their exit from the floor at Eugene and their overtime loss to the Ducks. So this is going to be a good one. This is going to be hot. And, you know, I've talked about Adia Barnes on this show plenty of times before. She was going to join us today. I talked to the SIDs last night, and I said, look, I had no idea that today was her birthday. Yesterday was Adia Barnes' birthday. So when I was at the game last night, I was like, look, I had no idea that today was Adia's birthday. Please do not have her wake up at 8 o'clock in the morning the day after her birthday on a game day against Oregon and have her come on my show. We'll talk next week. It's fine. I will, I will talk about the game, absolutely. We'll get fans riled up for it. We'll get them hyped up for it. Tell her to enjoy her time with her family before she heads out to go do battle with this jackass head coach at Oregon. So <laughs> they laughed about it. I said, okay, you know, we'll, we'll talk next week. So we are going to talk with, uh, with Coach Barnes at some point next week because they play ASU next week. So another big game um, for, uh, for, the, for the women's Wildcat team. Now, I've said on this show plenty of times before, Adia Barnes burns hot. She's a former player. She she looks at things a little differently. She's got a lot of fire. She is a a sweet sweet woman, and she really is. She is kind. She is generous. She is loving. She's nurturing. She's all those things. She's a great mother. She's a wonderful wife. She's a great person, and she also brings that fire that she's got burning inside of her every time she steps onto the basketball court, whether it's in a uniform or whether it's in her coaching gear. She brings it. And she don't back down from nobody. She don't. She does not care who you are, what your name is, what your title is. If you are in her way, she is going to do whatever it takes to push you out of the way and get her team to the next level. And we love that about her. Like that's why that's why she's so good. That's why this basketball program has become so good so quickly. In the national championship game last year, lost the game in uh, by one possession to Stanford, who's arguably the best best or second best program in the entire country this is this is what she has built and it's been built on the way that she is the person that she is the kind of coach that she is the tenacious recruiter the excellent motivator of women that she is on the floor she's able to lead the team in the timeouts and in the in the film room and in the classroom she burns hot and so does this guy Kelly Graves, I've I, like I, I like mentioned before, I've been to I've only been to, only unfortunately I've been to two women's basketball games in my time, and uh, the the one of the games was against Oregon, and I was, remember watching this coach. I'm like, who is this guy? This guy's a jerk, like screaming at his own players, screaming at screaming at everybody. I mean, screaming at the at the at the scores table. Something happened on the at the scores table, like the clock got messed up or something. He's screaming at them. The guy's just he he's just a this is a red ass. I mean, let's just, let's just call it like it is. And if you start addressing the opposing coach and calling her names, <laughs> there are some coaches that are going to be like, I'm sorry, you know, whatever, although I highly doubt it. It definitely is not Adia Barnes. And so tonight is going to be really interesting at the McHale Center. So if you don't have your tickets for that yet, 
I highly, highly recommend getting some tickets, getting your family, getting your friends together. Go down to the McHale Center, have a good time. They're two really good basketball teams. I'll put it that way, too. I mean, you're going to see some good basketball uh, out of these two teams and two teams that just don't like each other. And it's that's always a recipe for an entertainment, uh, entertaining night at the McHale Center and uh, should be fun. So head on down there. It's a whiteout. So wear your white, okay? Get get your get your your Arizona your white Arizona gear on, and uh, help us white out Mikhail tonight as the women's basketball team takes on the Oregon Ducks in a revenge game from their uh, from their loss earlier in Eugene. The Phoenix Suns had their winning streak snapped last night in Atlanta. The uh, streak ended at eleven as the Atlanta Hawks kind of had their way with the Suns' defense. They scored sixty four points in the first half. And the Suns were kind of hanging with them, but they just couldn't, just couldn't get over the hump. And then Atlanta comes out, pours on a big third quarter, scores 36 in the third quarter, and the Suns just didn't have an answer. Um, De- DeAndre only played 24 minutes. He wasn't getting the ball. He was 3 of 5 from the floor, had 6 points, finished the game with 6 points, 9 rebounds, had 4 assists, had a steal, had a block shot, no turnovers, uh, only committed one foul in the game. But really, it was you know it was a situation where I don't know Atlanta just seemed to have more energy than the Suns did last night. I talked to somebody uh, who was who you know actually got a chance to watch the game. I didn't get a chance to watch the game. I was at I was at the Wildcat game. Uh, got a chance to talk to somebody who's at the game, and he said, "Yeah, we just got out hustled. I mean, you know, everybody, you know, all the loose balls went to went to Atlanta. Um, it seemed like every time there was a contested rebound, Atlanta would come down with it. And Trey Young had a huge game last night. He was 16 of 25 from the floor, six of 11 from beyond the arc." Scored 43 points for his team, and they were just kind of on a on a mission to not let the Suns come in there and uh, and beat them. So the Suns now at 41 and 10, still in strong command of the uh, of the of the of the West in uh, the Western Conference in the NBA, and uh, they'll continue their uh, their road swing as they've got uh, some other games coming up. We'll tell you more about that where you can find those games because you listen to them right here on your. Tucson home for Phoenix Suns basketball. The Timberwolves beat the Pistons last night, 128-117. The Heat beat the Spurs, 112-95. And uh, DeJounta Murray did not get named to the to the All-Star game, which is an affront to any type of NBA player, NBA historian. DeJounte Murray is having one of the most well-rounded seasons you will ever see out of a guard. And I mean ever. He's averaging nearly 20 points a game. Nine rebounds, nine assists, and two steals per game. There is nobody in NBA history who has, who has averaged those numbers for an entire season. There have been two guys who have been pretty close, average over 19 points a game with eight rebounds and eight assists. Their names are Magic Johnson and Michael Jordan. <laughs> and DeJounte Murray is averaging better rebounds and, and, uh, and assists than both of those two and wasn't named to the All-Star game. Absolutely just uh, ridiculous. The Raptors beat the Bulls last night. Bulls still reeling a little bit without their uh, their full complement of uh, of the backcourt. There, the Warriors beat the Kings. They poured on 126 points for the uh, for the Golden State Warriors last night. Clay Thompson went off, had 23 points, five rebounds, seven assists, and in a thriller in Los Angeles, the battle for Los Angeles last night, the Clippers beat the Lakers 111 to 110, despite the fact that the Clippers. Couldn't find the basket in the fourth quarter until the very end when Reggie Jackson runs the length of the floor for a layup against that Lakers, that vaunted Lakers defense, and gives them the layup with uh, with like I think it was like two seconds left on the clock, 
and they put away the Lakers. Now, you know, you hear me talking about on you know on my on my FanDuel commercials. You hear me talking about with the NBA. You can jump right in on the fast lane. I love doing that. Like you're watching a game, and I was sitting here. I was I was uh, I had just finished watching the Arizona State game, or maybe I had switched over to the. I don't remember. Anyway, I was flipping back and forth after I got home from the game last night. The Laker and Clippers game was on. I noticed there was 18 seconds left in the game. The Clippers had just taken the lead over the Lakers. I think it was like 108 to 109 or 109 to 108, something like that. And, yeah, 109 to 108. And and so I was, like, quickly trying to get on FanDuel to bet the Lakers to win the game. I'm like, they're going to win this game, LeBron or AD. Some, you know, they're going to win this game. They're going to run a set. They'll win the game. They'll play enough defense. You know, the, the Clippers have to heave a ball into the air at the end, and the Lakers will come out and win this game. I was trying to jump on with a bet really quick because it was, it was going to pay out pretty well, actually. And at that point, FanDuel had suspended bets because the ball had been inbounded already. I was a little, just a, like literally like three seconds too late. And boy, am I glad I didn't because <laughs> I was about ready to drop some money on that one. And sure enough, the ball gets inbounded. The Lakers run a play. They run an alley-oop. And Anthony Davis throws it down. Nobody's around him. I'm like, oh, my God, this was that was way too easy. But there were also like 17 seconds left on the clock, and the Clippers went down. Reggie Jackson goes the length of the four and wins the game for the Clippers, who get bad news today, apparently. Um, Tyron Lue, head coach of the Clippers, says that it is doubtful that Kawhi Leonard will return this season for the Clippers, which is a huge blow for them. Now, I know that I'm, I'm not a doctor. Okay? I don't claim to ever be one. I'm not a sports, uh, you know, physical therapist or anything, anything close to that nature. When doctors and surgeons and, and you know, other people around the league are saying this type of injury takes, you know, particularly this this amount of time, you tend to believe that. Okay, the, you know, the technology is there to tell us that certain injuries take a certain amount of time for them to heal, and certain guys will bounce back a little bit faster. Other guys may not heal quite as much. But, like, he was supposed to be back already. <laughs> like, they're talking like, okay, maybe around, like, the All-Star break he'll be back, you know. And now they're saying he's not going to be back for the season. Is this a situation where Kawhi Leonard is just simply just milking the Los Angeles Clippers? And, I mean, just be like, oh, I, I, I can't go. The same way he did with San Antonio Spurs. Uh, I, this, is, this, is, this is very interesting news. It, literally just, it just came out just a few minutes ago. Um, I was kind of hit with it. So that's interesting news for the Clippers, a team that I picked to be really, really good in the Western Conference this year, thinking that they were going to get Kawhi back, and they're not. And now it looks like curtains for the Clippers. FanDuel Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, and to celebrate, new customers are going to be able to bet $5 and win $280 cash if you bet either team to win using my promo code, Dean. When you register your newly created account. That's right. You'll get your winnings in cold, hard cash. Because we all know that cash is way better than free bets, which is what the other guys are offering. They're going to offer you some site credit to make other bets on. No, 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 no. With FanDuel, you lay your 5 bucks down. If the team that you bet wins, you get 280 bucks in your account in less than two hours. Because we all know about their lightning fast payouts as well. Now, Bet whichever side you want, whether you want to bet Cincinnati and Joe Burrow or whether you want to bet the Rams, who I think I'm going to go with. Regardless of who you're betting, there's lots of fun prop bets that you can join in on as well and enjoy Super Bowl 56 even more. You can try to guess, uh, you know, bet who the MVP is going to be. Bet whether there's going to be a safety in the game. You can bet the color of the Gatorade. You can bet 
all kinds of different prop bets, and even more are going to come out, coin toss, all kinds of other things. And my favorite, any offensive lineman to have a receiving touchdown, which I'm going to lay some money on. I think I'm going to throw that one into a parlay and just sit back and enjoy the Super Bowl this year. And there's no better place to bet Super Bowl 56 than on FanDuel Sportsbook. They're offering going to be they're going to be offering even more promotions next week, so be on the lookout for that for new and for existing customers. You can customize your same game parlays your way. Combine smaller bets to make bigger payouts. There's fun prop bets to share in with the family and friends, and so much more. So don't miss your chance to turn five dollars into two hundred eighty dollars cash with fifty six to one odds on Super Bowl fifty six. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today. Use my promo code Dean, my last name D E A N, to make every moment more this Super Bowl exclusively on FanDuel Sportsbook. 21 and over and present in Arizona. New users only. $10 first deposit is required. Most wager and designated offer market. Max bonus $280. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. If you think you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342. What's happening in the NFL this weekend? Not a whole lot, but we'll talk about it anyways. That's next here on the Jeff Dean Show. Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Well, the NFL Pro Bowl is going on this weekend and in other news. I'm sorry. I just, I clown on the Pro Bowl. I think it's a joke. I I dislike it so much. They were playing dodgeball yesterday, for God's sakes. Uh, let's just let's just do it. Can we just stop doing this? Uh, you know what? You know what was more a lot more fun to watch when I was younger, growing up watching football, was the off season, like the skills competitions that they would have. I miss those. Look, they'd have guys run obstacle courses and stuff, and they'd have defensive linemen running hurdles, and quarterbacks would have arm you know throwing contests. So you could throw the ball the farthest and. They'd have these quarterback competitions where you'd have, they'd have these targets being driven on golf carts, and you had to throw a, a painted, you had to dip a ball in paint and throw it at the target as it was moving down the field. And that stuff was fun. I wanted to watch, you know, uh, Daryl Green run the run the forty yard dash against some of the fastest people in the NFL and watch him run backwards as they're trying to catch him. I mean, it's fun stuff, and I like those are the things that I think we want to see. We want to see guys without their helmets on, doing stuff. I don't want to see guys playing dodgeball. And they had to stop the beach, the, 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 the beach flag football game because guys kept tearing their knees up. Like, <laughs> let's, let's stop doing, like, these kinds of comp- – let's do head-to-head competitions. I want to watch Cooper Cup race Trevon Diggs or something. I mean, like, let's, let's watch that. I want to see Aaron Donald – uh, doing a you know trying to to run through a a, a military type of uh, not not with like the barbed wire and all that stuff but you know I want to see him scale a rope wall and then um, and then you know push a sled uh, you know a sled a, a, a two man sled fifteen yards and then crawl underneath you know like some posts and stuff like that and have to do a forty yard dash and a you know a front somersault onto a onto a, a padded you know mattress or whatever at the end all this like that's the kind of stuff I want to see. But do it in the off season. Like, I, this Pro Bowl is just silly. It has been for a long time. Nobody's cared about the damn thing forever. So, I don't know. I, I, I know it, it has horrible, horrible ratings every single year. And to be honest with you, I'm going to be watching NASCAR on Sunday because that race, 
that's going to be going on at the Coliseum is going to be a hell of a lot of fun. That's going to be good. That's must-see TV. That little track with 37 cars on it, if anyone survives that, that I, mean, I don't mean any person. I mean any car, any driver in their car, uh, if the car is able to actually cross a finish line, I'll be amazed. <laughs> that The setup is completely different. Like if you've, if you've ever watched a NASCAR race in your life, you'll look at this and you'll be like, what in the hell is this? It's going to be fun. I think it's must-see TV. Um, just me personally, but I, you know, I love motorsports. So I grew up on it, drag racing, dirt, uh, dirt tracks, uh, all that kind of stuff. I grew up on rodeo too. And that's, you know, there's big things happening in, in, you know, Tucson with the rodeo coming up and everything too. So all kinds of uh, stuff going on, but, uh, the Jaguars have hired their, uh, their new head coach. Sorry for the aside there. The Jaguars have hired their new head coach and it is not Byron Leftwich. It is Doug Peterson, former Super Bowl winner with the Philadelphia Eagles, who was essentially run out of town once the, I guess the, the I don't know, I, I don't know exactly what happened with Philadelphia. There was a lot of finger pointing and stuff going on there. To me, it just looked like he kind of cashed it in. Like he was like, I want a Super Bowl. I can do whatever I want now. And they were like, No, no, we want to win another one. <laughs> He's like, Nope, I got my ring. We're good. You should be. You should be very proud of me for bringing the first championship to Philadelphia in 62 years. And they were like, hey, yeah, we'd still like to win another one. That that felt really good. Don't you want to win again? (laughs) And now he's the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, I will say this. I happen to think that that Doug Peterson is a very, very high-quality coach. I don't know exactly what or why it happened in Philadelphia the way it did and the way that he was fired so quickly and the way that roster got dwindled of talent so rapidly. I'm, I'm not exactly sure. I don't cover the team, and I, it happened so fast. I was like, what happened to the Philadelphia Eagles? Why are they so bad all of a sudden? Why don't they have any talent? Um, but I do happen to think that Doug Peterson is a, is a very, very high-quality coach. I feel like he exposed Bill Belichick's defense in that Super Bowl. And I, he did it with Nick Foles. Now, again, you know I love me some Nick Foles, but they hung a giant, what was it, a 40, a 40 burger on Bill Belichick in a Super Bowl game with Nick Foles catching touchdowns? Yeah, that's, that's hard work <laughs> for any coach. And uh, Doug Peterson earned that. And I've, I've, I've long thought that Doug Peterson was an excellent, uh, an excellent schemer, an excellent X's and O's guy, and he's going to bring a lot of – a lot of talent, a lot of good things in that in that realm to the Jacksonville Jaguars in the terms of developing quarterback Trevor Lawrence and developing that offense into something that is somewhat scary because they do have some pieces there. Um, and defensively, they're okay. I don't think the Jaguars are the worst team in the NFL. In fact, I think – I don't want to say they're far from it. They've just lacked a lot of leadership. They went in the complete wrong direction when they hired Urban Meyer – and it costs them dearly this year. I think next year they're going to be a pretty darn good football team, to be honest with you. Like they'll, they'll. I'm I'm going to go ahead and just put it out there. I think they're going to win five or six games next year. I think they're going to be uh, a, a danger to a lot of teams that uh, that try to play there. And of course, they're always a danger to Indianapolis when the Colts go to to Jacksonville to play there. There were uh, some more allegations levied against the Washington Commanders now owner uh, Daniel Snyder as a woman has come forward saying that he was uh, sexually abusive to her and that uh, there was a toxic workplace of course we you know that was all brought up 
to members of Congress, and members of Congress were calling it a cover-up by the NFL and all this other stuff, and there were things going on behind the scenes with Daniel Snyder. Look, I know somebody who played for that organization, who played for Daniel Snyder. He thinks that Daniel Snyder is the biggest horse's ass on the planet, and I couldn't agree more. And a lot of people have corroborated those sentiments, and it's time for the NFL to take a real serious look at trying to get this fool out of the league because he is he is putting a a bad bad look uh, not only on that organization but on the NFL as a whole. He's he's trash. He's a, he's he's absolute trash. He's not a good human being from what I've heard. And all of these allegations, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. And I'm going to continue to say those types of things because in this type of situation, when you're dealing with this many people in that big of an organization, it doesn't just happen. These aren't people looking for for fame or fortune. These are people who are looking for justice. And <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, all, it's all continuing to come out. It, it's Look, NFL needs to step in and do something right away with this dude. Like, find a way to get him out. Whatever you know, they're going to have to deal with with Jimmy Haslam and, and the allegations that have been uh, brought by Hugh Jackson, former head coach, saying that Jimmy Haslam was incentivizing losing and tanking in the Cleveland Browns organization. Whether they have to look into the Stephen Ross situation with what Brian Flores said that he was offered a hundred thousand dollars for losing games, they're going to have to look into that. But it, it, this has to be dealt with immediately. And if you got members of Congress saying that the NFL is covering it up, trying to trying to to cover up and, and sweep things under the rug for one of their owners, that's a real bad look. Like that looks bad on the league. Other things look bad on the specific owners, like the whole hiring process. You know, of course, you know another white coach was was hired yesterday, and people are up in arms about it, and that's understandable. And that looks bad on the individual owners who are making those decisions. But this kind of stuff, when you have an owner who has been investigated several times, brought to light by Congress, and he still continues to own the team, and now somebody else is coming out. And, it, again, it just happened, like, it, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, it happened a minute ago. So the NFL hasn't had a chance to do anything about it yet. But, good Lord, how much, how much more has to happen before the NFL steps in because we're done with this. Like, we just sell the damn team. Like, they've already stepped in and said, when we find you the $10 million, we want you to start getting into the – process of handing over the day-to-day operations to somebody else that of course <laughs> oh sure yeah like yeah that's going to happen no his name needs to be off the books you need to have him stop signing checks for those players and those people in that organization get him the hell out get somebody in there who's going to be a responsible owner and is going to do some things the right way because he ain't doing it the right way get him out and the team sucks anyways it's been a crap organization for as long as I can remember that Daniel Snyder's owned that team. They've had a few good seasons here and there. They've hired some good coaches, had some good players. But it's a crap organization. The guy that I know that played for him hate, hated every day that he was there. Loved his, loved his coaches, loved his fellow players, hated every day that he was there playing for an owner that was a complete turd like Daniel Snyder. Yes, I just said turd. <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. I think I am. I think I'm okay. All right, we're going to take a time out. When we return, we'll continue to talk more about some sports right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. You know, I was talking about how I love the skills competitions and I want to see guys running 40-yard dashes. Apparently it happened. 
<laughs> As I was looking through some stuff, I just found this at the Pro Bowl skills competition last night. Apparently, Micah Parsons beat Tyreek Hill in a foot race, in a 40-yard dash, which is that's remarkable. You've heard me talk about Micah Parsons on this show plenty of times. I talked about it before, um, before the season began. Talked about how I felt it was the best pick in the NFL draft of, of any of any team. Like any any team, no team had a better pick in, throughout. You know, from pick one to two hundred and thirty-seven or whatever the final pick was, than the Cowboys' pick of Micah Parsons. At I think it was at like number eleven, ten or eleven. I think it was. He was the most impactful player um, for I think for that team in that position. You can argue that Jamar Chase or that Mac Jones may have been a little more productive because they they were on offense and they put up numbers. But trust me, what Dan Quinn was able to do with having a player like Micah Parsons on his defense in Dallas completely transformed that football team. And it's only because Mike McCarthy doesn't know what the hell he's doing as head coach that that team isn't possibly still playing in the playoffs right now. Uh, Micah Parsons is is ridiculous. Like he is, he's insanely good. And, you know, I was talking with, uh, with a guy that I discuss a lot of things with is in regards to like the NFL draft and college players transforming into NFL players and such somebody that I trust and somebody that I've talked to for a long time and somebody, you know, who, who, you know, is pretty well known. Um, and we were talking about it and I and I, I brought up the name Lawrence Taylor and I was like, do you think he's, you know, he's got a possibility to be like a Lawrence Taylor? And he said, well, yes and no, because, you know, LT was kind of playing that middle linebacker position until they realized that he was faster than a lot of the guys who were playing the defensive end position. So they started moving him outside and he became that hybrid linebacker that we all know now. And this person thought that, that Micah Parsons would be more like a middle linebacker and try as they may to keep him at middle linebacker. The guy just keeps disrupting things in the backfield, basically everywhere. You can move him all over the field and, I just watched him run this 40-yard dash, and he did. He beat Micah Part. Uh, he beat Ty- uh, Tyreek Hill right at the finish line. No, just nosed him out at the, at the finish line, but he won the race. And uh, <laughs> to look, 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 look at the body on the guy, he's big, he's strong, he's uh, he's he's a remarkable football player. I, that's see, that's the kind of stuff I want to see. I want to see Micah Parsons run a a, a, a damn uh, uh, obstacle course. I want to see what that dude can do, like up against like guys that that do multiple things. You know, uh, move a sled and climb walls and all these other things. You know, put them all put them all together. Let's see who the best athlete in the NFL is. Because I think you'd be surprised sometimes. Like I remember talking to talking to an NBA guy once, and we were talking about um, we were talking about the, the old Showtime Lakers. And and uh, and he was like, you know who the strongest guy in the team was? I was like, Michael Thompson. He's like, no. And I'm like, I, I don't, I don't know. He goes, he goes, the 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 strongest guy, at least in the weight room, was Michael Cooper. And I'm like, Michael Cooper? No. And if you like, if you're old school like I am, and you know what Michael Cooper looked like, you're like, nah, because Michael Cooper looked like a wet noodle. Like he was, he was skinny. He had like he was gangly looking. I was like, Michael Cooper is not the strongest guy on the team. He goes, he goes, trust me. He goes, that guy lifts more weights than anybody on that on that team. And then you kind of started noticing, you're like, yeah, he is kind of ripped. Like he's, like, but the problem, he was so long, like his arms were so long, you couldn't see the definition in him. And that's when you kind of started to recognize like how you know physics and biology kind of work together in that kind of aspect. And 
So you start noticing these things, and then you start watching like these skills competitions that were happening in the 80s and early 90s, and wide receivers are winning them because they're able to put together like this amount of this incredible amount of what they call kinetic energy. How, you know how much force can you apply on something based on your speed mixed with your strength? And you know you could take the strongest defensive lineman in the world if he runs a five five forty then he's not going to be able to exert as much force on something as a guy who isn't, you know, is half as strong but twice as fast, let's say. Uh, so it's, it's, interesting, it's interesting physics when you see this kind of stuff. So that's why I think, like, like a dude like Micah Parsons would just destroy anybody else in, the, like in, a, in a situation where there's like an obstacle course with all these different things going on because he's big, he's strong, he's fast, he, do, you know, he does it all. That's the, that's the kind of stuff I want to see. I don't know. I don't want to watch these guys play football in an exhibition game. We get to see plenty of exhibition games in the preseason. I don't want to see them play in between the the Super Bowl. So, yeah, yeah. If I mean, if look, if you're one of those people who likes to watch Pro Bowl, knock yourself out. I I don't uh, I don't engage in that. I just I I can't I can't bring myself to watch it. All right, coming up tomorrow at the McHale Center, the Wildcats taking on USC. USC. They, they they struggled last night. We'll just put it put it lightly. They jumped out to an early lead on Arizona State. It was like fourteen to two early, and I'm like, here we go. Because I was listening to the game on the way on the drive home. I'm like, this is not this is not going to go well. USC is going to breeze to a win because ASU can't do anything, and I mean anything. They couldn't rebound. They couldn't shoot. They couldn't defend. They could do nothing in the early part of that game last night, and then all of a sudden. USC just stopped being able to score. Like, they they went on a scoreless streak. They scored one point in like a seven-and-a-half-point stretch of time there in that game. And it was the score was, I think it was like 24-23 to 23 at halftime or something, some god-awful score. A horrible basketball game, by the way. Um, and they were able to outlast Arizona State in the end. They just made a couple of more plays and were able to get things done. They ended up winning the game by five. They had a last-second dunk in the game to make it a two-possession game. But Arizona State had plenty of chances to win that game and just couldn't convert. And, you know, Kamani Lawrence is out there playing hurt and all this other stuff. But this USC team is really interesting because they're ranked, they've got some good wins, but they've got some pretty ugly games under their belt as well. And that's not a – that's you would normally say, like, well, they're inexperienced and that's going to happen and they're still trying to learn the game. This is not an inexperienced team. That team, when, when you're, if you go to the game on Saturday, you're going to recognize a lot of names. If you're watching the game on TV, you're going to recognize a lot of names, uh, you know, whether it be Isaiah Mobley or Max Ogbonpolo or a, a litany of guys on that team, uh, Chavez Goodwin. Uh, guys that you remember seeing for not just last year, but for the last couple of years, wearing Trojan gear in the you know in their uh, in, in, in on that basketball team. So this is not an inexperienced team. I just I'm done. I'm not exactly sure what they are. I've watched them play a few times. They're they're long. They play really good defense. And look, Andy Enfield teams are always going to play great defense. That's what he preaches. He's as you know as interesting as it is. You know he's he's a younger guy, kind of a flashy dude. Comes from the, you know the Florida Gulf Coast and that run that they had in the tournament and they were Lob City and they were exciting and all this other stuff. He's really a defensive guy. He preaches defense. He wants those games to be sixty-two to fifty-eight, and he's happy with that. And that's the kind of style that USC plays. Um, it's it's not a game that like their athletes aren't going to be able to hang with Arizona's athletes, in my opinion. And they certainly don't have the size. They have a couple of guys, but they don't have the depth to deal with Arizona's size. And I, I you know, 
Ken Palm is saying that this is going to be a 12-point victory for Arizona. I'd be surprised if it's that close. I'm just being honest with you here. Like, I, the way that Arizona played last night, the confidence that they're carrying with them right now and the fire in their belly that they've got right now, I fully expect them to come out 3 o'clock tomorrow afternoon and just lay it on the Trojans. Like, I, that's just kind of what I'm expecting. But we'll see. We've seen, you know, disappointments before. We've seen teams that get up to play Arizona that don't play Arizona State well. It's that whole that whole effect where all they're thinking about is playing Arizona and they stumble and stub their, stub their toe against Arizona State. We've seen it many, many times over the decades before, and it may have been the case last night as well. But we'll find out tomorrow at the McHale Center, 3 o'clock. Come on down for the game. Should be a good one. And uh, we'll be there with a, with a raucous crowd and a fun midday game for, uh, for the fans at, uh, in Tucson. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When I return, I'll put a big, bright, red, shiny bow on today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. That's next right here on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Well, the Buffalo Bills made an interesting hire this morning. They hired former Panthers offensive coordinator Joe Brady to be their quarterback's coach. Now, Joe Brady rose to fame because of his work with Joe Burrow at LSU in their offense there during their 2019 run to the national championship, which still, in my opinion, was maybe the most dominant team that I've ever seen. That team was uh, – yes, I remember seeing the – the USC teams, uh, you know, with the Pete Carroll USC teams with Leinert and Bush and all those guys, those teams were great. That LSU team just ripped. I mean, they ripped people. They decimated everyone they played. No one was even close. So Joe Brady, um, he's going to be taking over for Ken Dorsey. Ken Dorsey was the quarterback's coach. He was elevated to offensive coordinator. Ken Dorsey, of course, former Miami quarterback. He's been elevated to the OC spot in Buffalo, and now Joe Brady comes in as the quarterback's coach. I happen to think very highly of Joe Brady. I know that he was the offensive coordinator in Carolina this year, that he was fired uh, you know, two-thirds of the way through the season. I don't know what else he could have done with that offense. I mean, personally, when you, when you have two of the, and I mean documented, worst throwers of the football in recent NFL history, in Cam Newton and Sam Darnold, I don't know like how you are supposed to accept blame for that. <laughs> like, it doesn't make sense to me. I happen to think very highly of Joe Brady. He's only 32 years old. He's kind of a, a young quarterback guru. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Josh Allen's career. We're going to find out because we've seen what Josh Allen's ceiling can be. Where is he going to go now that he has Joe Brady at his as his quarterbacks coach, I because again, I happen to think very highly of Joe Brady, and I think this is a great hire by the Buffalo Bills. I I was wondering if Brady was going to get the OC job at Oregon, and I was like, no, please don't do that. I don't want to deal with his offense. <laughs> I don't want the Wildcats to have to deal with Joe Brady's offense. Thankfully, he's going to stay in the NFL for a little while. It appears so. Uh, so that's a good hire by the Buffalo Bills there. Um, other news, uh, you know, just around, you know, kind of just looking at some things. I mentioned that the, uh, that, you know, that NASCAR was uh, going to be doing their race this Sunday uh, at the Coliseum in Los Angeles. I think that's going to be a, a lot of fun. And we're still waiting to see who the New Orleans Saints are going to hire as their head coach. 
Um, I still think that it's going to be one of the two guys, whether it's going to be Byron Leftwich or Brian Flores. And I think either one of those would be a spectacular hire for the New Orleans Saints. I tend to lead towards Brian Flores. I Listen, I think the world of Byron Leftwich, and when he was here as Bruce Arians' offensive coordinator in his first couple of seasons working with the offense with the Arizona Cardinals, I told myself, I said, that guy is going to be a head coach in this league very, very soon. Unfortunately, it has not worked out that way, and we're finding out why because of now the Brian Flores lawsuit and the negligence of NFL owners to sincerely look into hiring black coaches. And I think that's truth at this point. Um, but I think Byron Leftwich would make a great go. But I think Brian Flores is the correct choice for the New Orleans Saints, regardless of lawsuit. I think he should get the job. We'll see what happens. Should happen over the weekend. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today's edition and this week's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Thanks to Mary back in the studio for all of her hard work keeping us on the air. Stay tuned for Justin Spears and Ali this afternoon from 3 to 6. You guys have a great weekend, and I'll see you on Monday at 7 a.m. for the next edition of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Thanks for listening to the Jeff Dean Show, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back Monday morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson. From the Casino del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson. KFFN Tucson. KWCX Tank of Verde. KMXZ HD4 Tucson.